you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to I've Heard That, the podcast from Heard App Marketing that discusses digital marketing trends, tips, and more. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm pumped for today's episode. We have Ross, our SEO director, and Max, our creative director. And we're going to talk about the designer's guide to the galaxy because there's so much. We've talked before about what you should not do. And now we're going to dive into the deep end on what you should do. Um, Because again, to please a search engine, we want to consider both end users, really like the actual human searcher and the algorithm. So break it down for me, guys. Where do you start? Yeah, so that's a good question. Where do you start? Do you start with the design and then you amend that to fit the the SEO or, or do you start with the SEO and then amend the design? It's it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. Um, obviously, the, the creative side of things can lead um, the process uh, and often does. Um, so, yeah, we, we need to make sure that the creative side understands what we want um, in terms of SEO. Obviously, we don't want to lead the design. That's not our area of specialty. So we want to just make sure that we have that relationship where we, we have the education, we have the understanding, uh, and just make sure that the elements that we require to have on the website um, are there. Um, and that they understand what they are and how important they are and, and where they need to be. Exactly. Um, I think especially new designers uh, getting started in their career maybe don't understand the importance of SEO. And I think Ross put it perfectly by saying it is a symbiotic relationship. And everything that I do has SEO in mind and I understand the basics of SEO and maybe a little bit more in the basics, but yeah, you're not the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the advanced level that Ross does. Uh, I always defer to him. Um, and he always teaches me a thing or two about a thing or two. Um, <laughs> but usually a typical lifespan of a project, um, is most times when a client comes to us, they want a redesign, But SEO is important too, but really it's how it looks. They don't really care how the SEO works. It's sort of magic to them. Um, We're here to say it's not magic. There's really specific rules that you can follow. Um, And it's just good, proper web standards and good, proper markup. Um, So what we've typically seen is we'll design with SEO in mind, um, get it in a good spot, and then after that site's rolling for a couple months, we're going to start refining from an SEO perspective. And then that's, I think that's kind of a little bit more natural where like design kind of leads first with SEO in mind. And then it's followed by SEO leading first with design kind of following suite and trying to accomplish both, making sure that we're getting uh, the SEO tactics and strategy down uh, while making it look good and fitting it in with uh, the site. Yeah, makes sense. So what are some of the elements or some of the top things that you tackle, like when you're considering both? Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at the web page, 
obviously like 90% of what we do is not visible. <laughs> what, what you see is the, is the images and the, and the layout and the words. But SEO is a lot more kind of deep than that. So we have um, elements on the page that we, we need, and we need those to be marked up correctly using the, the appropriate markup. So a navigation, like the header and the footer, and then the actual body of the, the website as well. And within that, there are certain sections too that also need to be marked up correctly. And we use things uh, like CSS to, um, to style things, and we have to make sure that that is correct. Um, and we're using the appropriate styling in the correct way. So we link out to an external file with everything listed in that rather than having all of the styles in line um, because that can make the, the page load heavy. Um, when it comes to the navigation too, that has specific rules that we want to follow. We don't want to bloat that with a lot of um, unnecessary things. So we try to keep that succinct, but in, in the same time, we still want that to be um, user-friendly. So it includes all of the, the elements that the user would naturally need to, to navigate around the website. Um, and then when it comes to, to images and videos, they look great. Um, but we also want to make sure that when we're using those, we're using the appropriate size images. We're using a video that's embedded, that, that doesn't take forever to load. We're not using those as backgrounds anymore, um, which used to be a, a, like a prevalent style feature in, in recent past. And, and we did ourselves. But with um, Google's focus on page speed now and the page experience, those kind of elements uh, are pretty heavy and on load times. And ends up making the, the website a little laggy. Um, so we now have to kind of reevaluate how we use those elements and, and make sure that we, if we do use them, we use them in an appropriate way. Exactly. Uh, as a minimalist, um, as a designer, I really kind of appreciate this turn. Um, it, we're going back to KISS, keep it simple, stupid, um, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, kind of a prevalent usability thing or was in the early aughts with Ross and I, I'm sure Ross remembers uh, that mantra for everything back then. <laughs> um, but we're moving back towards web standards and things loading fast. And, you know, maybe you don't need those 12 JavaScript libraries loaded up on your site. And, you know, maybe you don't need a background video um, to get your point across. You know, maybe you can do it just with some simple graphics and text. Um, and that's not to say that you can't have like a great video on there. Um, but what's that video doing for you? Can it also help on your YouTube presence? You know, maybe it should live there and it's actually a brand related specific video. Um, and on top of that, we can do um, translation and closed captioning on there. So it gets a nice ADA presence as well. And that also helps SEO. Um, so there's a lot of things we can do. It's, it's we, we've just we've been loading up our sites with too much junk for probably too long, and and Google's kind of making us do a course correction. And I'm all for it. Um, I think that's great. So you've mentioned Google has really shifted focus and it's honing in on some things. Like, tell me about that. Yeah. So Google recently um, released a, an algorithm update that was um, solely focused on page experience. So that means how the um, users interact with the website. And that takes um, the various um, guises in terms of how, what Google's looking at. And one of the major ones that it's looking at is how the page itself loads. And it's taking a look at how the different elements on the page load and how they move around as the page load, loads. So what we don't want to do is have elements that are jumping all around the screen because that makes for a, kind of a bad visual experience. Um, 
So we want to try and have things that, that load um, succinctly in, in order so that we can see how the page is loading and elements are not jumping around. So one of the, the examples that I saw um, was um, a, a buy now button that um, was moving up and down on the screen as things loaded. So you could... You know, like chase it down? <laughs> yeah, you, you chased it down, but you, if you clicked on the wrong button, you ordered it several times. Oops. Because it was moving around. You're trying to click like see more or um, open up the, the page itself. But because the way that it was moving around, you clicked on it and you ended up ordering it. And you could end up ordering it several times because you were chasing that button around. Oh so my. it was a really bad experience on that page because there were so many elements that were loading around it that it was forcing that button to jump around and you couldn't actually click on it properly to do what you wanted to do. You ended up ordering that same element several times. And that seems like a really horrible experience, even with besides ordering extra widgets. Yeah. Um, it seems like a terrible experience. I've been on sites that are loading like in funny order and you're like, hang on. And you're like trying to like find what you're looking for. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be ex- as extreme as, as ordering like 700 pencils. It's <laughs> simple things like reading an article that you're reading a paragraph and all of a sudden the paragraph disappears because an image is loaded or an ad has loaded and you have to go and find where you were and on that that page because the, everything around it is loading and pushing things around. So you really have to t- kind of pay really close attention now to the order in which things are loading because people are interacting with the site. Everybody, or well not everybody, majority of people having like a, a broadband connection, things are loading more quickly than they used to. And you're used to having things served up in front of you quickly. So you're already um, engaging with that content as soon as things load on the screen. And if things are moving around, that's going to create a really bad experience for the user. And like I say, if you're reading an article and that paragraph keeps jumping around and you're losing your place, it's not going to be a great experience and you're not going to hang around. You're going to go back to the the search engines and and find the next article to read. So that makes total sense. When I put my SEO hat on, I'm like, cool, just load everything from top down, except for that does not make (laughs) sense um, for a designer because obviously there's different things that are more important. Um, How do you kind of balance that out? Uh, it's not so much designing it. The design you design it top down. Um, it's how you know. And for the listeners at home, it's usually if you're dealing with a WordPress site, it's how your plugins are loading in. Um, are they loading in a version of jQuery that's a version behind what you have loaded in the head of your site? Um, is there a conflict there, and that's trying to figure out which library to use? Uh, which is causing elements on the page to not load quickly. Um, so in, in, in a sense, it is design uh, in that you have to design for that failure. Um, and we're starting to see that happen. Uh, you know, it was funny, Ross and I were talking how things just kind of move in cycles. Um, the headless CMSs, I think, are going to be a new thing. Uh, well, they're not a new thing. They've been kind of around for a couple of years, but... Definitely a move towards that. We already saw kind of a movement towards flat file uh, content management systems like your Jekyll. Uh, Squarespace would be one of those um, that's related where basically the site is being, you could have a database tied into your site and all of your Ajax loading uh, design elements or interactive elements. Um, but then it gets basically outputted as static files that are then served out via CDN, a content delivery network. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more attention paid to that and just 
caching in general uh, to speed up sites, and that will help with that. Um, you know, that's that's something where you can speak with your development team to to work on that, uh, get that caching queued up, defer scripts that may be loading uh, and render blocking. That's a term that if you need to talk to these people, that's what you need to tell them. Okay. I'm having some render blocking issues, which and that's where that button keeps jumping around or the ad suddenly loads in and that's really frustrating. And you see those, you see that a lot in mobile and with Google being mobile index first, I mean, this is just more and more important. Yeah, definitely. With, as Max just said, that with everything being mobile for first now focused, um, it makes design, I, I would imagine a little bit more difficult simply because there's so little real estate on the screen. Um, when you're using a mobile device as opposed to when you had the desktop version, which you used to design for first, now you design for mobile first. So that makes things a little more challenging in terms of, of which order do you show things. Because in when it's on a desktop, you can see that there's three images that go across the screen there, and then there's some text. Um, but then how, do you, how does that work in terms of the design process um, for mobile first? Um, what order do those images come? Do you put some text between those images? Um, and then that in itself can cause some of the, the loading issues we've talked about with things jumping around. So um, I, I imagine for you, Max, that it probably doesn't come across as being problematic to you because it's something you do, do day in, day out. But how do you now approach mobile-first design as opposed to like the desktop-first, um, how we used to do it a few years ago? Boy, uh, let's see. I mean, the the biggest thing is just making sure things fit. <laughs> Um, that's the most important thing. Um, specifically, uh, the biggest gotcha is typography. Uh, your headers, your H1s, your H2s, the ones that are a little bit bigger usually, you have to fine-tune those on mobile. Um, you, To a certain extent, you can kind of set it uh, like a, a baseline to fail, but you to really get the best out of that experience, you need to fine-tune it. Uh, for a mobile device, and you do that with simple media queries. Um, the biggest thing I think we're paying attention to right now is the WebP uh, image format that is coming out from Google. Uh, Safari now officially supports it, um, and along with mobile Safari, and that was kind of the big holdout. WebP, for uh, anyone that doesn't know, it's basically uh, a new image compression engine, so like JPEG, um, compresses an image by, you know, stacking bytes of information on top of each other, uh, you know, finding pixels that are similar together and kind of grouping them together. Uh, WebP is a new algorithm uh, that Google has produced that causes a tremendous amount of compression with almost zero lack of quality. So this is kind of an exciting game changer because the biggest problem we have not just in design, I mean, even with desktop, sure, you might be on a broadband connection, but with mobile first, especially, assuming you're on one or two bars and it's 4G still, not 5G, is keeping that page weight down. And that, by and large, is images. Um, and so we always shoot to get our images underneath 100 kilobytes um, and try to balance the quality as best we can with that tiny of a, a weight, um, but it's possible. And there's some tricks that we can do around that. Um, now with WebP, 
we're going to be able to see better, crisper images at a fraction of the weight that we're currently getting with JPEG. Yeah, and that, that, that's great in terms of an SEO because when we do an audit of a website and we look at the page speed elements that are weighing the site down, nine times out of nine times out of ten, it is images, and that's the really big area that we could find those milliseconds to have the page load much quicker was to correctly compress those image files. And now WebP comes along. It's a real game changer because as Max said, it's a fraction of the size that we used to have when it was a a JPEG or a PNG file. Um, It was, it was heavy because we, we could be, because we have the broadband um, we were using bigger images, more resolution, more pixels. Um, and as such, they were much heavier. But now we have a, a really good um, compression engine in, in WP, uh, WebP, sorry, that, that it really allows us to keep the quality of those images at a fraction of the, the size that they used to be. Yeah, and I think no, like, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think this further exemplifies that like, you may have a new site um, and it may, you may have redone, like re- you may have redesigned your site six months ago yep. and it can be out of date. I hate <laughs> to break it to you um, because there's new tools, new technology, new best practice, new algorithm updates um, that if you're one of the first to take advantage of that, this is how you build upon those like bricks of best practice to get that edge. Yep. Um, it's not like one big magic wand that's like going to put you at the top of search. It's all of these little optimization tactics and best um, best practice that we follow when we're thinking through how do we combine SEO with design? Right. It's, I was just going to add to with the images, you know, it used to just be easy. You just load an image and then our screens started getting a million times better. Um, like, I'm sure when, you know, with Ross, when we first started, we were still working on 640 by 480 screens <laughs> yep. that were really pretty poor. And now we're at, you know, 2,500, 1080p, that's not even 4K. So, you know, it's, and that's, that's kind of the baseline now. Um, so you used to just add the image, not a big deal. And then we got mobile devices. We're like, well, this, this image is too big. And so you had to, do media queries to basically work around that. And then, okay, now the desktop screens are all 4K. All right, well, now we need another image. And then Google penalizes you if you have an image at this size and you're shrinking it down to this size just automatically with responsiveness. So then we have another workaround that we have to get to. And so now with WebP, for example, we're, we're kind of going back to just that simple image tag. And it's, we're, we're getting rid of all these workarounds. We're not having to dynamically serve out different images for different scenarios, which just adds further code bloat and ways that's page down even further. So put this on your list to talk to your development team about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's big. It's here. We're talking about it. We're trying to figure out when to start rolling it out. We've had the opportunity to do it. There are plugins for the WordPress framework that We'll let you serve out WebP images to certain browsers, but with the universal adoption, I think really the only thing holding it back right now is that there's no easy way to export a WebP image from the main uh, graphic applications yet. Uh, for like, I'm talking Adobe Photoshop, Affinity, um, several of the Pixelmator. 
Uh, Pixel Meter might. I don't know for sure, but I know Photoshop doesn't. You have to like run a command line tool to install some sort of weird export pane <laughs> to get it to work. And it's just not there for your average designer to do it yet. Um, once that starts happening, you're going to see a wide adoption. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other elements or um, a new, new things that we can be aware of to be on the lookout for? Well, I think um, some of the elements that we used to use in terms of like accordions or, or, or scrolls um, are now kind of back in play again because of mobile first. When it was a, a desktop first environment, um, Google wouldn't actually pay attention to what was be hidden behind those when it was on the desktop site. But now it's on the mobile site and mobile first indexing. We can now use some of those design features that we had before um, and actually benefit from them as opposed to before only what was visible on the screen was what the, the search engines would really take um, notice of. So now that we can have accordions and um, scrolls and, and, and other such uh, design elements that everything that's hidden behind a click or everything that's hidden behind an accordion is actually now taken into consideration. So it kind of opens up um, a lot more in terms of um, how we can display like FAQs, for instance, um, or some e-commerce information that might not necessarily be. Yeah, like product spec info exactly, and things yeah. that you don't need right yeah. front and center. Yeah. You can now have all of that information right. on the page, uh, but it can be hidden behind a click or behind an accordion or, or one of those design elements and still be part of the, the algorithms um, taking notice of it to, for ranking purposes. So it does kind of open up a lot more um, like SEO for, for designers because they can now use the full gamut of, of options, uh, whereas before it was only the, the information that was visible that was taken into account. And that's a good example, too, of when Ross and I collaborate, is, is specifically FAQs, when you go, okay, I got like six, Ross, what do you think? <laughs> you know, is this worth an accordion or a toggle or is this, should we just list this out? You know, those sort of things uh, are you know, I always default to what Ross thinks and then I can make anything look good. Um, it's just a, you know, a balance of what's right for the end user, what's right for SEO and balancing all of that. You know, it's like Ross says, it's not, it's never one thing that tanks your SEO, but it's a lot of things. Yeah. And, you know, just, you have to pick and choose sometimes and just try to figure out the best user experience. Exactly. It's not always a one size fits all. Every website is different. Every website has different content and different elements on the page. So one site might have an accordion, one might have all of them listed out fully. So um, it's just nice to be able to have that, those options now. So if we do have a page that, that's got a lot of content on it, we don't need to then ram a lot more content on the page itself. We can actually make the page look nice and use those design elements to include those those features on there, but they don't necessarily have to be as prominently um, living visibly on the page. I feel like at this point, everyone's probably got their phone out and is like <laughs> testing their <laughs> site. Like, Ooh. Um, what are some tools that um, users can, can use or um, to kind of assess where they're at in some of these um, user experience or, or measure their user experience, how people are using their site? Sure. So Google Search Console, the uh, free platform that Google um, has that anybody can sign up for, actually has the page experience um, algorithm results built into it. So you can check how your 
your contact layout shift is scoring and, and the other elements that, that Google's looking at, it's right there um, and it's free. So you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to d- download a brand new platform and pay several hundred dollars a month for it. It's free. It's right there. Um, there's, there's different other tools like the page speed insight tool that just moved to schema.org. That'll also give you some of those insights to mainly more about the, the um, schema elements that you have on the page. But that too can help you um, identify things that, that are kind of slowing your, your website down if, if an element is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly within Search Console itself, that there's a, a lot of information that can really help you identify what things are slowing your page down and where you can make improvements, um, where there are errors, um, where there are warnings. So it, it, it really is up to you to go and get this. It's, it's free. There's no excuses not to have your Search Console um, account up and running. It can connect through to Google Analytics, so you can see some of those um, metrics in there. But certainly, um, I'd certainly suggest going and sign up for your uh, Search Console account if you don't already have it. And if you do have it, go in there, have a look, um, and, and just see how your site's performing. One caveat, as <laughs> as a designer that gets sent the errors, Um when you do sign up for Google Search Console, everything that Ross said is absolutely true. It's a great, great product. Um, you may get mobile errors. Um, give it a week. <laughs> just, just, just wait. Uh, sometimes, and I've noticed this over the last year, Google has a hard time rendering for mobile, and it, it does kind of affect the CLS a little bit. Um, but if you look, if you test the URL and it's uh, uh, test feature, it's fine, but you're still getting an error. It usually clears out at a certain point. But all I'm saying is, if you, it's usually like three mobile things. It's uh, elements are too close together, link target's not big enough. Uh, and there's another one. There's usually like three of them that kind of all of a sudden roll in. Don't panic. <laughs> Give it a week. Come back in and see if it's working. Odds are it's probably fine. Uh, but you run into a lot with responsive design sites. Um, just for whatever reason, and it could be a render block, and that could be something that you could have your developer look into. Uh, something might be blocking the render uh, and causing Google not to read that right at the time, even though you know your designer swears up and down it was built responsive and mobile first. Um, that could be the issue, just tying, tying it back to uh, the render block. And I think that's a good point to raise that a lot of the information in Search Console tends to be three or four days behind the current date. So if you have just made a, a change to your site and you're checking it that day or the next day, it probably <laughs> hasn't seen it yet. Or if it don't don't it, sit there and hit refresh. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it, it does have a two or three day delay, um, sometimes more. Um, so as Max says, give it breathe. a week. Yeah, breathe, <laughs> give it a week, go have yeah. a day and you'll be fine. <laughs> And like we just said, none of those none of those issues are going to tank your site. You know, it, it's not going to be that big of a deal to fix. Um, and if you see that it's like, well, it's affecting 400 pages on my site. Oh my gosh! Well, guess what? It's probably something global. It's probably something in your main navigation that you can easily fix once, and that takes care of the issue with everything else. So. Just don't panic. <laughs> it's usually it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's a, that's a good rule for, for life in general. But, <laughs> but for SEO and design, don't panic. It, nothing is going to happen overnight. Yeah, this is sharpening your sword. Yes, it's a long play. Yes. Yep, nothing happens. Absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. The other thing I was going to add too was uh, if you want to just see how your site's going, I I 
will sometimes test with a VPN on my phone and just go into another country and start loading a site up. And that can, I can see pretty quickly if I'm having an issue where something's not rendering right, or there's some piece of code that's messing the whole thing up. I mean, it happens. And so, you know, we're so used to good quality, high speed internet here. Try another country. Um, It's not as good. (laughs) So, and that can help you. Uh, figure out if you're having any issues that maybe you haven't seen yet. Yeah, and that's a very good point, especially as Max mentioned earlier, the CDNs, the content delivery networks, um, they have kind of locations across the globe. So if you have a website that's signed up using one of those services, um, it really helps to level the playing field for for countries that don't have such good infrastructure because having to send the the query from, say, um, Indonesia to America it can take that little bit longer. We're talking milliseconds, but it can be longer. But if there is a CDN um, server within that locality, it's going to be that much quicker. Yeah, it feels like snail mail. <laughs> the first yes, version. yes. So, so yeah. if you if you if you have your content spread across a content delivery network, it means that there are going to be points across the globe that where C- people can actually pull it down from as close to them as they can be, instead of having things as they used to be just served on one server in, in somebody's basement in in Michigan and. Every query had every had to go all the way to, go, to Michigan. Exactly. So now that using the CDN, it means that the, the a cache of that website is there. It's available and it's pretty close in, in terms of locality. Everyone's got a basement server horror story. <laughs> I feel that sounds like a horror in the yeah, start that, to a horror a, story. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, that is a whole other podcast. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, everyone, remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, we have new episodes and new guests um, twice a month. New episodes coming out every other Wednesday. So make sure to join us next time. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. I've heard that is a part of the Herd at Media Network. For more information, follow Herdat on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, or visit herdatmarketing.com. A Herdat Media Production.